If you're glad we sing that song, say amen. amen. He is. Man, what a tremendous song. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to go back to uh, the fourth chapter of Philippians uh, this morning as we make our way through the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And we find a listing of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And what I would like to do is I like to read Galatians 5, 22, and then let's go over to Philippians chapter 4 and let's read that. <clears throat> Again, this morning. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul reminds the church of Galatia, the churches of Galatia, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. There is no limit to these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, verse 2, excuse me, the apostle Paul writes to the church of Philippi, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is in hand. He's coming. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then, that's a conditional statement right there, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and if you are glad, say yes. All right. Today we're just going to be talking about peace, and usually we reserve the topic of peace for Christmas time. And that's appropriate. Uh, it's a very appropriate topic for Christmas time, and that is because it's one of the uh, the, the uh, topics of Advent. But I think in, in my 52 years of life, I don't think I have ever experienced a time where we need to think and seek peace more than today. More than today, folks. We need the peace of God, and the only way that we're going to have peace within and peace without is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And ever since the Garden of Eden, man has been searching for peace. And we have spent billions and billions and billions of dollars in legislation, diplomacy, and education trying to find peace, not only in our nation, but throughout the world. We have developed the United Nations, the League of Nations, and so forth and so on. And not only is it just money, but, but, we, but there have been millions of lives that have been sacrificed for the pursuit of peace. Now, let me stop and let me just qualify something. You know, if I qualified everything in my sermons, we'd be here five hours. But let me just qualify this. I'm not against education. I'm not against righteous legislation. I'm not against purposeful diplomacy. I'm not against these things. And sometimes, yes, we have to go to war uh, to push back forces of evil. We have to do that in just war. And I'm not against these things. But these things in and of themselves cannot bring lasting and meaningful peace. 
I mean, you know, look at all our education, look at our diplomacy and so forth and so on. And, and if you take history as a whole, there really has not been an uptick in peace. I read one philosopher, an article he wrote, and he said, do take history, uh, written history from you know, the beginning of written history to now. And, and if you look at it objectively, <clears throat> there have only been six to eight years of relative peace in the history of our world. <clears throat> six to eight years of relative peace in our world. Now listen, folks, I'm all for all these things, but we need to understand that true peace begins with God. It begins with God. And the way of peace is a threefold path. Number one, it begins with God. We have to be at peace with God. The second part of that threefold path is we have to be at peace with ourselves. And the only way that we can truly be at peace with ourselves is to be peace, be at peace with our Creator and our Maker. And the third is we need to be at peace with other people. There is no way in the world that we can be peacemakers, true peacemakers, unless we have peace within. And there is no way that we can have peace within unless we have peace with God. But it's interesting that the world takes this threefold path of peace and turns it upside down and just jumbles it, turns it inside out. And so the world begins with peace with self. I don't have peace. I don't have contentment. I want satisfaction, peace, and contentment. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin not with God, but I'm going to begin with myself. And usually what happens is whenever we seek peace within ourselves, without God, it's usually based on selfishness and it's based on self-worship. And then if we have any capital to spend, then we will seek peace with other people. But that's usually based on conditions. And so you see the world has absolutely turned peace upside down. It begins with God, then it should transcend to us, and then it would transcend to others. The world's definition of peace and the definition of peace in the Bible are absolutely different. Absolutely different. And Jesus Christ told us this. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus is, is prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter. And Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to give you peace, but I am not going to give you peace that the world gives you. And what Jesus is doing is he is making a distinction between the peace that he gives and the peace that the world gives. And if we're ever going to understand peace biblically, we really need to come to grips with the distinction of the world's definition of peace and Jesus' definition of peace. And so what I've done in your sermon notes, I'm not going to follow my sermon notes to the T this morning, because by the time y'all get the sermon notes, and by the time I get up here in the pulpit, my sermon has changed a lot, okay? But what I've provided is a chart, and I'm just going to go down this chart quickly, all right? Because I want to get to my last point of my sermon this morning. It's a chart which um, distinguishes between the world's definition of peace and the peace of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad we got charts this morning? Wow. Okay, anyway. All right. First of all, the world defines peace, or they confuse peace, with pleasure and feelings. That's why peace is always fleeting with unbelievers in the world. It's because they believe that peace is pleasure, or, or peace is nothing but a feeling. It's just like how they confuse joy. 
But in the Bible, it teaches that peace is an inward reality that comes whenever we um, are reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. The next point is the, the, the world defines, well, the world's definition of peace is temporal. I mean, it's fleeting. It's not forever. But we know that the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ is permanent. It's always eternal. Now, I'm going to give you a very simple phrase, but I think it's packed full of truth. If Jesus exists, peace exists. I know y'all want me to write a book on that now, right? I mean, if there is Jesus, then there is peace. A lot of Christians, I mean, they think that they can lose their peace. No, you listen, if there is Jesus, there is peace. If Jesus is in your life, then there is peace available to you. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been made just in the sight of God by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We have peace with God not based on anything except what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let me make a very provocative statement this morning. Peace will not come through the, through the Declaration of Independence. It will not. Even though I'm glad we have the Declaration of Independence. Peace is not going to come through the United States Constitution. That's, that's legislating peace. True Inward peace is not going to come through the Constitution. It's not going to come through the Bill of Rights. It's not going to come through whoever wins the election come November. That's not where it's going to come from. Peace, true peace, meaningful peace will only come, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a pastor, just because it's my job to do so. No, true peace only comes by God through Jesus Christ. That's it. The world also defines peace as the power of self. If I can just somehow will peace, if I can just, if I can just make, you know, change circumstances and situations, um, then I will have peace. But the Bible teaches us in our text in Philippians chapter 4 that peace doesn't come through the power of the will. It comes through the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy, indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6? Look at it. He says, and be anxious for nothing. Now that word anxious there means the feelings that you get that just cripples you. I mean, it just, it just devastates you. You can't do anything. You can't think of anything else. I mean, man, you are just transfixed on this one thing. That's anxiety. He says, do not be anxious for nothing, but by what? By what? Look at it. I need to look at it. All right. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. That word guard there is a very powerful statement. It's a very powerful statement. It's a word picture. It's a word picture of the Roman legions, the Roman phalanx, whenever a, an enemy would be charging the Roman lines or Roman soldiers, centurions, they would, they would take their shields and they would interlock them, and there would just be an impenetrable phalanx right down the line. And sometimes they would lock them overhead uh, in case the enemy was shooting arrows at them. And that is a picture of what Paul is trying to communicate to us. If we do these things, if we rejoice in the Lord, and if we pray, yes, if we pray. That's very simple advice, but are we praying like we should? 
If we rejoice in the Lord and if we pray, if we let our gentleness and our reasonableness be known to men, and we, and we give thanksgiving to God, then the power of Jesus Christ will guard our hearts. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you for that. Also, the world's definition avoids trouble and pain. It avoids suffering. Now listen, listen, but the peace of Christ accepts pain, and it deals with it. It accepts it, and it deals with it. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have persecution, you will have pain, you will have sorrow, you will have suffering. But Jesus gives us that one little phrase, but I have overcome the world. Praise God for that. And the last thing, and I've already mentioned this a little bit, that the world's definition of peace seeks to manage and to control every aspect of life to bring in peace. But in the Bible, we are told to trust God's sovereignty, to trust God's providence. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be obedient. It doesn't mean that we should strive for things. No. But in our obedience, in our striving, we are to trust in God's sovereignty. There's a little phrase in Romans 15 and verse 13. Do you mind turning to that real quick on your device or in your Bible? Romans 15 verse 13. There's just a little phrase that I, that I rediscovered this past week I think will help us with this. Romans 15 13. Paul writes in the concluding moments of his epistle to the Romans, May the God of hope fill you with joy and the peace of believing. Hang on to that little phrase. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with joy, we talked about that last week, and the peace of believing. What does Paul mean when he says the peace of believing? What I believe he's saying is the peace of believing in God's sovereignty, that God is in control. Now, hang on to those things. Hang on to that chart. And what I want to encourage you, man, just take that home and write some more things down. I mean, that's not the the only, that's not an exhaustive list, but write some more things down. There are a lot of difference between what the world teaches us about peace and what the Bible teaches us about peace. But I want to end this morning by going a little bit deeper with man's relationship with God. Because what the Bible does, the Bible just doesn't give us superficialities or happy thoughts. Don't worry, be happy. The Bible doesn't insult us like that. But what the Bible does, the Bible takes us much, 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 much deeper into why there is a lack of peace in the world. Why there is a lack of peace, maybe with people even in the church today. And I'm going to circle right back around to the beginning of my sermon. Before we can have true peace in this world, we must have peace with God. And we will never have peace inside of our hearts unless we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we will never be effective and purposeful peacemakers, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, we will never be peacemakers unless we have peace with self, unless we have peace with God.
And so the root of our problem, the root of our problems, the restlessness, the racism, the prejudice, the anger, the bitterness, and the violence of our nation and of our society will not come through anything else except having peace with God. Having peace with God. And if we don't have peace with God, there are a lot of things that we do not have. And I want you to hang with me on this. And I want you to listen very, very closely. What comes between us and having peace with God? Very simple. Three-letter word. What is it? Come on, church. What is it? I'm not going to let y'all off the hook. Y'all the 1030 service. Y'all supposed to be more awake than the 9 o'clock service. So y'all got to say it and say it out proud, okay? What is it? It's sin. It's sin. And listen, folks, as long as there is sin, there is going to be hate, there is going to be conflict, there are going to be wars, there is going to be racism, there is going to be prejudice. But we as Christians and believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ must keep preaching the gospel that the only way that we can have peace within, peace without, and peace with God is we have to get rid of sin. We have to get rid of sin because what sin has done is it has removed us from a relationship with God. It has estranged us from God. It has made us enemies of God, and it has made us, I know this is radical sounding, but it's biblical teaching. It has made us, those of, those of you, without Christ, it has made them direct objects of the wrath of God. And there is no peace in that. None. And so without the peace of God in our life, there is no relationship with God. There is no relationship with God. I mean, we can say all day long that, you know, everybody in the world is a child of God. Um, The only thing that comes close to that biblically is when Paul said in Acts chapter 17 that we are all the offspring of God, but we are only children of God by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit of God, Romans 8. It's in the Bible, Romans 8. But without the peace of God through Jesus Christ, there is no relationship. And the reason why there is a lot of turmoil and tumult and and, and just restlessness in the world is we were made to and we were created to have a relationship with God. And the world is groping and searching for a relationship with God, and they're trying to find it in other things. And when they try to find it in other things, that gap keeps growing larger and larger and deeper and deeper and deeper. And if we do not have the peace of God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is no relationship with God. There is no relationship. And if there is no relationship, then there is no peace. There is no peace. What does St. Augustine say? I think one of my favorite, I'm, I'm supposed to be writing a dissertation on St. Augustine, but you know, one of my favorite sayings of St. Augustine is, he said, my heart was restless until I found rest in thee. And whenever you read Augustine's confessions, you see that, man, he was so restless, so restless, could not find peace, could not find peace, tried to find it in sex, tried to find it in in drink, tried to find it in just the pleasures of life, tried to find it in everything. But he did not come to rest until he rested in God through Jesus Christ. And so if there is no peace with God, there is no relationship. Not only that, but there is no providence there is no providence. None. Um, I am so glad. If you would turn with me to Romans 8, let's just read this with fresh, fresh eyes and fresh ears this morning. I am so glad that Romans chapter 8 and verses 28 and following are in the Word of God. 
because it shows us that God in his sovereignty and in his good providence takes everything that happens to us and he turns it into his glory and for our good. Are you with me this morning? Everything that happens to us, good or bad, God can take those things and he can turn them for our good and for his glory. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, all things. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And a big whopping amen goes right there. But if we do not have a relationship with God, we don't have the providence. We can't understand the providence of God. And without peace with God, the only thing that remains is fate and chance. That's all you got. There's no purpose. It's just fate and chance. Fate and chance. Do y'all know the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? I'm not going to ask you to sing it. Because I can't even remember all the lyrics. But it's my least favorite Christmas song. Because of one little phrase. And that little phrase is, If the fates allow. Do y'all remember that? And, and then we just sing it. I mean, we just sing it like it's, if the fates allow. I mean, we just, we sing it. But have you ever stopped to think about that? What does that mean? What are the fates? It should be if the Lord allows, right? But without the Lord and without a relationship, all you got is fate. There is no purpose. The next thing is without peace with God, without a relationship with God, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness, none, zero. You know what? We, we need to remind ourselves, I think, daily, that as blood-bought children of God, people who have repented of their sins and we have put our faith and trust into what Christ has done on the cross and what he has done through the resurrection, is every day we can walk in forgiveness and we can walk in the grace of God. Of God. Have you ever thought about a sin that you have committed in the past and you feel like you just can't? Child of God, it doesn't matter what you have done in the past. If you have repented of your sins and you have trusted Christ, that sin is forgiven. And what you have to do is you have to walk in the grace of God. But without a relationship, without peace, there is no forgiveness. And there is no love. There is no love. I want you to think, I want us to think seriously about this before I close this morning. There is no love, true love. Now, let me just kind of illustrate it like this. Somebody um, that knows everything about you, everything, every sinful thought, everything about you, loves you, so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for your sins. Okay, let me go a little bit deeper with that. Somebody who knows every lustful, adulterous, 
fornication, pornographic, angry, racist, prejudiced, murderous, and I know some of y'all have dreamed about murder, murderous, I mean contentious, nasty, vile, sinful, a person who knew every thought that you have ever thought like that loved you enough to send his son to this earth to die for you. I said, so let's do this. Why don't we just line up and let's have God on the screens show every errant, sinful, iniquitous thought that we have ever thought. Let's just start one at a time and let's show it on the screen. Let's start with Carol Carver. Because we know if we start with Carol Carver, nobody else needs to go next, right? But I mean, all right. Anyway, but, 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 but seriously, what if we did that? You know what we would do? We would condemn each other to death if we really knew. But you know what God did? He sent His Son. who's condemned to death to die for our sins. And that's love. You know, I told the first service, I love my wife. I, I, I am in love with Jill Rayburn. And it is a miracle of God that she loves me. It is a miracle. You know, hey, I, go ahead and say amen. I, I know your name. And um, I know who you are. Um, God knows who you are. Um, but I've always said, you know, if Jill knew me in high school, she would never have married me. And I'll even go beyond that. If Travis Cross really knew me in high school... He wouldn't be on staff with me you know, today at this church. But um, I stand amazed at the, the love of my wife. I really do. But she can't love me like the Father. She can't. And the only way that I can love her like I'm supposed to love her, Ephesians chapter 5, it's if I really tap in and understand the love of the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is why the Apostle Paul tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Amen. And if you don't really understand how much God loves you, that you don't understand how deep and horrible your sin is. And so there's no love, there's no forgiveness, there's no grace without God. What a horrible way to live. No wonder there's not, there's not a lot of peace in our world. And then lastly, and I close with this, there are no satisfying answers. There are no sufficient and satisfying answers for what I call the big three questions in life. Number one, where did I come from? Where did I come from? Number two, why am I here? What is my purpose? What, how am I supposed to define life, Pastor Clay? How am, I, how am I supposed to define reality? Why am I here? What is this all about? 
And number three is the thing that haunts mankind. Where am I going? Where am I going? What happens beyond the grave? What happens? You know, over the last several years, we have seen uh, people that were leaders in evangelicalism, you know, um, deny the faith. And a lot of people have said, well, these people have walked away from the faith. They didn't walk away from the faith because they were never in the faith. I agree with Adrian Rogers. He says the faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first. I totally agree with that. 100%. That's what the Bible teaches. But what is really sad and what grieves me um, is how these once leaders in evangelicalism celebrate their agnosticism. How they celebrate their newfound atheism and how they celebrate their apostasy. But brothers and sisters, let me just say this, and I really believe this. They can celebrate all they want to, but nothing, nothing will anesthetize them against the big three questions of life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And what's going to happen after this world ends and after my life ends? Nothing will keep those three questions from seeping through their celebration and their giddiness. Nothing will. And I understand that the big question that these people have a hard time answering is, why does bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to people? And that's a legitimate question. And if we are to be philosophically and theologically honest, we have to wrestle with those questions. And I think that they have been, they have been solved in Scripture, you know, for, for my satisfaction, especially Romans 8.28, 8.29. And we have to wrestle with that. But that question, why does bad things happen to people, has nothing compared to the big three. Where did I come from? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And where am I going to go when it's all over with? And what God has done is He has answered all of these three questions in His Word. Mysteriously, Sometimes, but always profoundly, right? He has answered them. We are created by God in His image for a purpose. Every one of you this morning have a purpose. You have a purpose. And if you are contemplating suicide, if you're contemplating anything like that, you know, if you, if you say you're a child of God, then you should have the peace of God and you have purpose, my friend. God has given you purpose. And we are here to glorify Him and to obey Him. And, 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 and God has given us all a purpose. He's given us all a place in His kingdom, a place in His church to serve Him. And to be ministers of reconciliation. And to be peacemakers in this world. But if we don't have a relationship with God, there is a wide chasm a wide chasm between us and true and meaningful peace. And what we try to do is we try to fill that chasm with things and things and things and this and that, and the chasm is just wide and deep and will never, ever, ever bridge that gap. Jim Walton, a missionary to Columbia, was trying to translate the Bible into, um, into the language of several tribes. 
And he was stuck on one word. And boy, I don't envy the translators of the Word of God. I mean, man, that's a tough job. We don't ever think about translators translating the Bible into other languages. That's a very, very tough job. But he was stuck on one word, and that one word was peace. And he asked God to reveal to him, you know, a a way that he could communicate the peace of God through Jesus Christ. And so he said that one day, there was a chief of a local village by the name of Chief uh, Fernando. And Chief Fernando was needing to go to another village that was a three days journey. And so Jim Walton said, he said, listen, there's a plane leaving, going to that other village. Why don't you just get on that plane? It'll save you a three days journey. It'll take you know, just several hours and you'll be there. And so Chief Fernando, he said, I'll do it in whatever language. He said, I'll do it. And so Chief Fernando came to the airport and the plane was delayed. He got frustrated. He got angry. And so he just set out walking. He, I'm just going to walk to the village. And so he began to walk to the village. And then... You know, after a certain amount of time, the plane came. They sent a messenger out to Chief Fernando, and he said, Hey, Chief Fernando, the plane's here. Let's go back and let's get on the plane. Well, by the time they got back to the airport, the plane had left again. And they said, Chief Fernando, true story. Just, I mean, he went into, I mean, he went berserk. He was just irate. And he began berating Jim Walton. And he kept saying over and over again, I don't have one heart. 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 And Jim Walton said, just in the providence of God, he recorded uh, Chief Fernando's tirade. And he went back and he began to listen to it. He began to listen to that phrase, I don't have one heart. I don't have one heart. I don't have one heart. And so Jim asked the villagers, he said, what does he mean by that? And they said this, they said, he doesn't have one heart with you. It's because there are many things in the way. And then he thought to himself, now I have a good word picture of what peace is and what it means to these people. It means having one heart. And if we are going to have peace in this world, in our society, in the church, and even in our lives, We have to be one with the Father through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have peace this morning? I know know a lot of times when we preach sermons and you ask questions at the end, that's kind of a symbol to clock out and let's just get ready to go. No, no, really, I had to ask myself this last night. Do you have peace You say, Aaron, you said if I was a child of God, then I have peace. Yes, but do you recognize, are you relying on the peace of God through Jesus Christ? Are you eat up with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in your heart? Because before we can ever reach out and reconcile and make peace with others, we have to deal with what's inside of our hearts. Are you actively seeking to make peace with others? What about your spouse? You know, a lot of times we say amen to the peace of God, but yet we're at war with our spouse. We're at war with our kids. We're at war with our neighbors. We're at war with people in the church. So much so, we, we, can't, we can't come and reconcile. We just can't pick up the phone or, or come, you know, whatever. Folks, listen. 
Sin is insidious. And sometimes it will blind us to the anxiety and the bitterness that we have in relationships. It will blind us. If you say, Aaron, you know, my life has just been turmoil, just filled with anxiety, just, you know, just, just churning, churning, churning. You know, I, I can relate because I've tried to control things, I, you know, so forth. Let me ask you something. Have you ever repented of your sins? Those things that have come between, you know, having a one heart with God. Have you repented of your sins and confessed your sins? That this is wrong. This is not of God. And you have trusted in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ took your sin upon himself to forgive, to pay the penalty of your sin, and also not only that, but to appease the wrath of God. Have you repented of your sin and put your trust in the cross of Jesus Christ? Have you put your trust and your faith into the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Not only are our sins forgiven, Not only are our sins forgiven, but death has been defeated. The grave has been defeated. And our hearts and the heart of God have been made one through the sacrifice and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and through the power and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. This morning I pray that you do have the peace of God through Jesus. I pray that you are letting the Holy Spirit work on things in your life and in your own mind and heart. And I pray that as he is, the Holy Spirit is doing that good work in your life through the Word of God, I pray that you're going out and seeking to make peace in this world because our world needs peacemakers. And they may try to persecute us, and they may try to oppress us. It's coming, man. It's coming. But we still got to keep preaching that gospel. Amen? We still got to keep preaching that gospel. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what Joe Biden forgets to say. It doesn't matter what Donald Trump says. It does not matter, folks. We need to keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you would like to just talk to somebody, if you would like to just get counsel this morning, I'll be right over here um, after the service, and we'll do some social distancing um, but I would love to talk to you. If you would like to join Edward Road Baptist Church, um, just call the church office and we can walk through that. If the Holy Spirit's leading you, we can walk through that process, um, even though we are in altered schedules uh, because of the virus. Um, be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad of the peace of God? I am. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Um, the true path to peace with you. And Lord, I pray that we will do what you commanded us to do in your word. Um, In Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because we are one body and we are to live with each other in the peace of Christ. And I pray that this morning as we leave this place, we will determine in a very chaotic and crazy world that we will allow the peace of God to rule our hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand. 
Thank you for listening to this sermon from Edwards Road Baptist Church. We hope you are meaningfully involved in a local church, but if you aren't, we would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings as we worship God and hear from His Word together. You can find more information about our church by visiting our website at edwardsroad.org.